This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Also presents Take Care On Air. Interviews, current affairs and events from across Victoria. Also is your community hub and also is proud to sponsor Joy. You're with Take Care On Air with Kath Duncan and Crusader Hillis. Hey, I was meant to say that. Yeah, you were too, but never mind. You can do the next bit. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, all right then. I will do the next <laughs> do bit. Do the next bit, Crusader. Today on the show, we'll be taking a walk on the west side by checking in with Wyndham City's Youth Development Officer on some key initiatives for queer youth out there. We're going to have a special guest in the studio, a visiting American activist who's on a study tour to get involved with and report on queer rights movements in Australia and some other countries. He's just told me that he reckons the whole world wants his job. And today we're also going to be previewing tonight's Big Queer Freak Show as part of Midsummer. Oh, yes. Lots more. Stay with us. Who do we have on the line, Kath? Well, look, you know, one of my favourite people, totally gorgeous, Anthea Skinner. She's a music archives nerd. She's a comedy producer and she's totally adorable. She's also appearing tonight as part of the Quippings Night at Hares and Hyenas for the Midsummer Word is Out season. Now, I would probably describe Quippings as Melbourne's best and only literary freak show, but apparently that offends people. So let's call it the uh, Deaf and Disabled Queer Performance Night instead. Anthea is one of seven performers for the evening and she joins us on the line. Hi there, Anthea. Hello, hello. Hello. And I've never been offended by the word freak, I have to say. I'm a big fan of the word freak. Oh, that's why I've asked you to speak. <laughs> now, Anthea, you've, you've seen the lineup for tonight. How would you describe Quippings to those who are unfamiliar with the concept? Fantastically diverse and um, just a little bit odd, I think. Oh, and very entertaining. <laughs> and I think there's, uh, well, Kath, as an amputee, how, how would you say that properly? Yes, I'm a trans, I'm a congenital, congenital transverse double, double amputee. amputee. You're allowed to actually... Use the know, word freak. Reclaim whatever you like and yep. use it when you're talking about yourself. It just makes it a little bit more difficult, I think, when people outside the community do, unless they're being given permission to. So, oh, you know. he's so right, isn't he, Anthea? Yeah. Well, it's very much like the word queer, you know, and um, fag and all of those ones, or, you know, all of those sort of in-between words. If you say it with love, it's okay, and if you don't, then it's offensive, I guess. Yeah, well put. Now, I've, I've read your piece for tonight without giving it all away. It's about your very quirky body and its responses to um, sensation and touch and so forth. And it is, and it, it, I guess mostly it's about um, how you maintain a sex life when you live with chronic pain, you know. Can, um, you, can you talk a bit about that? Because I found it fascinating that even light touch is f- interpreted by your body as painful. Actually, Actually, light touch is often, my body seems to interpret it as more painful uh, for some reason than, than sort of a, a more firm touch. I'm not sure why that is. Um, essentially, the, the messages between my um, pain receptors and my brain are a little bit confused, um, and so my pain receptors are turned on all the time. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, which you kind of, it, it sounds pretty full on, you get used to it. Uh, <laughs> and it's not, uh, you know, it gets better and worse depending on how tired I am. And, and, um, and so I guess my, what I'll be talking about today is how I work around that to main, maintain a love life. Yeah, and could you just give us a few pointers on that? Because, you know, when I uh, sort of got my head around the concept, I kind of thought, wow, how would you, you know, work up to it or something? Well, for me, one of the things is I can use my conscious brain to override the messages that come from my subconscious brain, I guess. Um, So if I can see 
touch coming if I if my brain knows that this person is being gentle then I can kind of tell my brain not to overreact um, not being surprised <laughs> um, with touch is, is a big thing for me I don't like people coming up behind me and you know mm. giving me a hug and things if I can see it coming then I'm, I'm usually pretty good and Anthea, without giving too much away about the story, which I think it, there's going to be a lot of people there tonight, by the way, so um, we don't want to give too much away. But having that, well, it's not a condition, having having that characteristic in your body, mm. has it ended up determining the types of sex you enjoy more? Um, I think so. Um I think one of the things that we're talking about tonight is that sex is really one of the very few things I can do with my body that creates more pleasure than pain. Um, so that's not a bad place to be. <laughs> I mean, I, I know the rest of the time. I mean, there's not enough time in the day to have sex all day, I guess. But you know. But as a result, well, you know, I I wouldn't say I'm easy necessarily, but no. I, I certainly have never made things difficult, uh, or at least no more so than I have to. Um, so I guess I, I I do perhaps prioritise sex more than maybe a lot of people do. <laughs> Why do you think there's uh, sort of so much sort of, you know, angst about, you know, labels and naming in the in the deaf and disability word? Like one of the things, uh, you know, having sort of run Art of Difference for a few years, uh, one of the things that we decided was to call things deaf and di- disability. But we'd often be sort of criticised if we used the word disabled and then we'd be criticised if we used the word people with disability and <laughs> everyone get gets right. so caught up in all, in all the theory of it. Why do you think there's been and it almost feels sometimes like it's an it's an out of the community sort of I think so I think people definition. are very quick to get offended on our behalf mm, um, yeah. but there is certainly there's you know a big sector of the disabled community who um, you know care very passionately about about what you call us and I think what that has to do with is the fact that people take our names in vain you know um, words that used to be considered medical words like spastic like retarded um, get thrown around as random insults mm, yeah. um, and therefore we can no longer use them as you know um, midgets another one you know that used mm, to be mm. a an accepted medical term for someone who was short statured and had you know um, a, a quote-unquote normally proportioned body these days it's considered an insult and mm. it's only because people use those words inappropriately yeah and, um, the, and the words retarded like you know retarded growth or not retarded growth you know being a plant or something like that exactly. or spastic as word. in a it's spastic colon they are they're not offensive mm. words so how do we get past that and <sighs> we're probably not there for a while are we no we're not and it's very it's there are a lot of parallels between the disabled community and the queer community mm. for those reasons. You mm. know, we're, we're outsiders. Um, and it's really not until the outside world respects us for who we are, I guess, that those kind of... Um, problems are going to go away. Now, look, I think uh, Kath is wants to pimp. I, I'm dying to ask <laughs> this question. No, no, not, well, sideline thingy for quippings, but just about Anthea's life. Now, you know, there's this stereotype that those of us uh, in the in the queer communities with disabilities are sitting around at home, you know, desperately trying to get dates on the internet or whatever, or being lonely <laughs> and stuff. And one of the reasons I wanted Anthea on is she just, she takes that stereotype, she kind of burns it, throws it away and whatever, because she has this mad love life. She's got, from what I can work out... You've got an open relationship with kind of one primary partner or something, but there seems to be all these other people, including boys and whatever, and sort of like a cast of many to choose a from. Cast of thousands. Yeah. Oh. So how has that all kind of worked out? You know. Um, well, 
Um, our family, I guess, identifies as, as polyamorous. Um, that is, um, I guess it means many loves. The idea that you can have meaningful, honest, open relationships with, with more than one person. Um, I guess I consider myself having two primary partners. Oh, I, guess. I can't keep up. One, one I live with and, and one I don't, and that's really a, you know, just a matter of time. I've, I've, I've lived with my first primary partner since I was 19, so that's, you know, a few years now. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I'm well on the other side of 30. And, um, and so she has another primary partner as well. And she has another primary partner who lives about 500 metres down the road. Yes. Um, and... And, yeah, and, and I guess there are a few comers and goers, sort of, <laughs> so to speak, so to speak. <laughs> over the years um, between those. And um, It just sounds like a movable feast. Just it is a bit. We've, look, we've been together 17 years. No relationship gets through 17 years without, without bumps and things. Mm. But, um, okay, know, so we manage it. Tips for the love lawn. Give us a couple. How do you have a great sex life? How do you have a great sex life? Mm. Relax and be confident, I think, are the two big things. Um, and sometimes not, that takes people so many years to get does, to that point. But there is no bigger turn-off than desperation. Really, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I couldn't agree more. Oh, Anthea. Which is, you know, is difficult. And, and I think one of the things we joke about about being poly is in some ways it's easier to pick up when you already have a, a good love life because mm. there is no desperation. There's, well, you know, either I pick up this gorgeous person who I've just met or I go home to an equally gorgeous person. Um, Unless they're out pollying the somewhere else. Well, that's right, yeah. You know, but it's good to have a night to yourself every now and again. Well, that's know? true. I'm glad to hear you do uh, occasionally. This, um, thanks for talking to us. Anthea Skinner of What Can You Say? She's amazing. And she will be featuring tonight as part of Quippings at Hairs and Hyenas. I'm the MC, so, you know, it's just going to be fabulous. And I'm also going to be doing my little cryptease uh, to some quite bizarre little images behind me and so forth. I've got an assistant who will be undressing me. It's just so over the top. One thing, though, Crusader says is the numbers are going to be a bit tight. Get in early. Get in early uh, because we have to keep the numbers smaller because we're just expecting a lot of people to roll up. It was huge last year. It's going to be huge again, just like me. It was was a great year last year. (laughs) Thanks, Cynthia. Take care out there. Take care out there. Individual health and wellbeing through stronger community endeavours. Now, in the studio at the moment, we have Emmanuel Yacoutiel and his been travelling the world studying queer rights movements in a number of different countries. Ah, what a dream job. We all want it. Um, he won a Watson Fellowship to explore, I guess, gay rights movements is how it's described on your in your um, bio, but um, in the UK, India, Australia, China and Brazil. And I think so far you've already been to the UK and... India. India. What have you found so far, Emmanuel? I know that's a big question. I mean, I've been able to, I'm lucky because I've been able to meet so many different kinds of people and um, have so many amazing conversations. And I mean, I learn something new every day. So three months in the UK, three months in India, and the conversations keep on rolling. But I mean, I, what, I've, what I've found most of all is just how many different perspectives there are on the movement, how many different people are working on it from so many different angles, um, and just the amazing, colorful diversity of the gay rights movement worldwide. Can you tell 
us a bit about why you decided to do this study tour. What was it about travelling the world looking at different gay rights movements that appealed to you? Well, I was lucky in that I had a really amazing transformative experience the summer before my senior year. I was a street canvasser in San Francisco raising money for same-sex marriage in California. And just standing on street corners raising money for this cause, I was able to meet so many people that were very passionate about this, this particular issue. And I wanted to figure out what else was happening in different countries around the world. I think that um, there's so much use from gaining perspectives from different countries and people working on similar civil rights issues um, in countries other than America. And I felt like it was a great opportunity to gain a little bit of perspective. Now, you're 22 years old and you're a graduate from Williams College in Massachusetts. How, you know, where, I guess, did you get the sort of like the, I don't know, the chutzpah to get (laughs) on the road and sort of like just, Mm. you know, make all this happen? Mm. Well, I was... Courage was instilled into me by the director of fellowships at my university. Her name is Katrina King and Lynn Chick. And these two amazing women in the office of my university gave me the chutzpah, I think, to, to say I could do this, to say I could, I could go anywhere and talk to anyone on my own for 12 months and really study this thing. So, you know, I think I'm very lucky that I have, have, I have really amazing mentors out there that, that have supported and nurtured my own growth. And interestingly, I mean, you are describing it as gay rights. Have you also been looking at transgender rights, gender rights in general? Absolutely. I mean, it's the word gay rights movements is just the word I've come to use. But, I mean, in, in India, where I was for the last three months, I mean, we, they really use the term sexual minority rights because huh, okay. in India there's so many different kinds of sexual minorities out there that we don't even have in the UK and in America and Australia. And like so, what? Oh, Jogopas, Hedras, Kota. Satha Kotis. I mean, there's a whole there's a whole range of of sexual identities that that really that really exists in India, and and that it would be it would be improper for me not to study the entire range of the sexual minority movement. So yeah. so definitely everyone. I mean, gay is just a, a catch-all term that I've used, but yep. I mean, no, queer, yeah, I just wanted to get that out there so people mm, yeah, were yeah. under a misunderstanding no, no. That, that that you might not have been interested in their life. No, and in India, in fact, there's some legal recognitions around a range of genders as well. Definitely. It's one of the only places, if not the only place in the world, where that happens. And the exciting thing about India is because, you know, for instance, gay pride and the marches are still kind of new. I mean, they really don't have time. They haven't had the time to really factionalize yet. So everyone is in this amazing, you know, march together. LGBTQQIA, everything. I mean, all these groups. And so you really can't look at it and just kind of say, this is what I'm going to study. You really have to study the entire range of, of people in the country. Yeah. Why did you pick those countries? Well, I mean, I picked each. I want to study the movement in progress. So I wanted to, I'm really interested in the legal and political changes being made in countries all over the world. So I wanted to choose countries that are, that were in different stages of their kind of legal and political changes. So for instance, in India, they decriminalized homosexuality two years ago. Ah, right. Um, whereas in the UK, there have been a lot of legal and political changes over, you know, a, you know, a number of years. And yeah, in the 1950s and with the Wolfenden Report is when it sort of really started loosening up. Yeah, and, a long yeah. Time. yeah. And, and lots still going on. So really, I'm interested in the legislative process and all the, also kind of the social process. And so I wanted to choose countries that were in varying ranges of that, of that kind of stage in their movement. And where did you see Australia fitting into that? Well, Australia is interesting because there's so much going on in the media right now about the same-sex marriage mm. debate, and it seems to be really uh, large in the public consciousness. And so I wanted to come here and figure out how people felt about that and um, whether there was frustration or whether people felt like this was um, the right thing to be focusing on and 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 where Australia was in in that kind of 
that, that struggle yeah. for same-sex marriage rights. And I think if you sort of delve deeper, you're going to find some some quite enormous differences between Australian attitudes and American attitudes. But look, I'm going to ask a, a pretty, bit of a tough question here Good in a way. <laughs> You're Good. 22. Yes, you've got a degree in political science. What what gives you the sort of capacity inside to feel you have the, the maturity to understand the complexity of the gay rights movements around these places, including Brazil? I think the reason why I'm traveling the world is so that I can so that I, I think that I'm trying to understand that now. I think that um, I think to assume that I could have full comprehension of the of the incre- amazing complexity of these movements before I even get there um, would be presumptuous of me. And that's why I'm actually flying to these places, asking these questions, and just listening. And that's that's what I'm doing for a year. I'm going around to different countries and I'm listening to people and I'm letting them educate me. That's fantastic. And in fact, what it does is it doesn't set you up. Do you, I mean, do you have to do a report? And if so, what do you think it's going to be looking like? Because I can't imagine just a written report is going to be any good at all. It's, surely it's going to be a little bit of a collage of all sorts of things. So I don't have to do a report. You don't? I don't. Oh, my God. I want his fellowship. <laughs> now, go on. <laughs> so so at the end of the fellowship, I do need to submit a five-page paper on how my year went. But they're actually not interested in the in the research that I've done or the interviews, the, the transcribed interviews. Huh. The, but I am writing reports of each country kind of for my own, just, just to keep track of what mm-hmm. I'm doing. So it's a, person, uh, it's a personal growth journey by, by a, a foundation that obviously sees that this is an incredibly important part of a person's life. It's learning for learning's sake. We, we have this kind of stereotype of Americans that they're not really <laughs> interested in other nations. You know, that joke about Americans can't even find Canada on a map and all that. <laughs> so I guess that's, that's the other thing I'm interested in as well is, well, for a start, do you think that stereotype holds true for the Americans that you kind of hang around with? And No. Uh-huh. Oh, that's good. But what about others? Because I've been on planes that, you know, thought we were five minutes from, you know, Japan and you know, things like that. So um, they're, they're certainly, I mean, it sounds like they teach geography over there. But, but <laughs> do you think there is some truth in the fact that it is more of an inner introspective looking nation in that way or not? I mean, it's hard for me to comment on such a giant nation with so many millions of people and mm. you know I grew up in southern california and america is a regional country and there with with many regional differences and um lots of different kind of cultural attributes to depe- yeah. depending on what part of the country you're in it's like multiple countries in some ways kind of i mean yeah and i mean los angeles is an amazingly diverse city with lots going on and people from all over the world so i mean i haven't seen that in my life but and i was given an incredible education i'm very lucky to say um where i was taught about the histories of nations all over the world and geography and um, and and in my university we, I was able to you know in my high school I learned different languages in my university as well they taught lots of different languages and I think that I think that there are a lot of people out there that like to push against that stereotype that Americans are only concerned about their own country well we'd really like to see that happen and I guess then my question is you know you'll go back to the states with those experiences of being in all these other countries have you thought about how you're going to you know convey some of that material to your folk back home are you going to kind of have a few you know, public meetings or something? Are you going to put it online or...? 
Hmm. Have you thought about that? I I have thought about that. I mean, I haven't decided 100% yet what I'm going to do with all of the knowledge that I've gained in this year. And of course, the year is only halfway over, so I still have another amazing six months left to learn more and and grow more. Um, I think no matter what I do, I'll always be an advocate. And I think that this year, if if nothing else, has made me a stronger, better informed advocate. Um, And I think that I think that just gaining a more international perspective of the movement will be beneficial. I actually I haven't decided yet if I'm going to you know maybe make something to be published or uh, presented in some kind of more technical format. Look, one thing um, I wanted to say was <clears throat> I met Emmanuel because he was one of the twelve younger riders under 25 who put their hands up to come along to Hez and Hyenas on Sunday and be involved in this amazing event where there was incredibly talented people. Um, you wrote, I think you said it was your first poem. It was, yes. Yeah. And so is this something else that you want to sort of start developing? Well, one of, the, uh, one of the promises I made to myself on this fellowship was that I would face as many of my fears as possible. And I think um, I'd never, I'd always had a fear of, I'd always had admiration for those who were confident enough to get up on a stage and bear their soul through poetry. And when I went to the um, Poetry Slam event, I thought, wow, what incredible talent, what incredible people. You know, I'd like to be... I'd like to try try my hand at that, and so when I when I realized it was a fear, I decided to conquer it, and that's when I went up to you and asked if I could participate. I'm glad I did. Fantastic! Look, and we're so glad you did. In fact, it's led to a whole range of other possibilities for us on this radio show and for our listeners out there as well to sort of know that this sort of work is going on. I was I was just going to say, you know, have we got any further questions for Emmanuel at this stage? I'd hate to let him go, but. <laughs> You know, what do you think, Crusader? Well, anything tickling the back of your mind? Not really. Ah. I think, I think <laughs> he's very articulate, so it's sort of hard to drag it out. I mean, if, if he'd mumbled a bit and stumbled a bit, <laughs> we might be able to drag the interview out. Well, thank yeah, you, Christina. No, you'll have to let him go. How many? How long are you, st- are you in Australia for? Roughly three months. And uh, you've only just arrived. Have I you? have. I've only been here for ten days. Huh. Yeah, so I still have a lot to learn about Australia. And, and where are you going? Well, I'm going to be in Melbourne for another three weeks, roughly, and then up to Sydney for Mardi Gras, and then oh, for there for about two months. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, th- that's the exciting thing about the fellowship is there are no strings attached, so I could go um, at any moment. I could say there's an event going on in Brisbane. I'll go there, or you know, I'll, you know, I'll hop over to New Zealand. Budget, you know, consider- I do have a tight budget, but uh, you know, wherever the wind takes me. And how can people get in touch with you if they want to? I don't know, chat with you or yeah. inform your travel and so one of the things I have been doing is keeping a very regular travel blog um, and with lots of photos and interesting quips hopefully and mm-hmm. the blog is it's Manny Travel M-A-N-N-Y T-R-A-V-E-L dot blogspot dot com that's Manny Travel dot blogspot dot com and if you just uh, go on you can you know sign up to my blog and comment and I'm, I'm happy to talk to anyone out there that's what this year is about okay thank well, you very much Emmanuel may you have a fantastic oh well, well said Crusader may you have a fabulous time in Australia and thank onwards you. to Brazil and China. China. And thank you for having me. You're listening to a Joycast from GLB, TIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. Let's go to Wyndham in Melbourne's western outer suburbs, said to be the fastest growing area in Australia with house prices and infrastructure increasing at a high rate. Now, the area often gets a bad rap, but western suburbs everywhere seem to, don't 
don't they? But in fact, has some very good schools, a great arts centre, a range of other things. Today, we're after finding out what it's like to grow up queer in Wyndham and about a new group for GLBTIQ youth called Q. Kate Mastriani is the Youth Development Officer uh, in Hoppers Crossing for Wyndham City Council and she joins us on the line. Hi, Kate. Hi, how are you? Thank you. Well, and uh, first, can you talk a bit about the um, the group Q? Where's that up to? Okay, so this is our first term um, that Yay. we've ever run. So we're kind of at the moment just taking the direction of the young people that have helped bring it into the light to see what they kind of want to do. And after this term, we'll have a better idea about where we're going. So last term um, we started off with a, um, it was a youth advisory group. So we do have that kind of advisory group slash committee still running and they've decided that this term we would like to um, participate in a midsummer event that we ran out in Wyndham called Family Fun Day. That mm. was on Sunday, which was it turned out to be awesome. I'm very proud of Wyndham. Um, it's actually, got, it's really grown into a really nice looking place too over the last yeah. few years, hasn't it? It is, definitely. Definitely. We're kind of getting out of that the stereotype that Werribee often fell into. Um, so it is becoming a better place to live and um, more open and inclusive of the minorities in this area, which is fantastic. Um, next yes. Sunday, we do have the Pride March, which is very, very exciting. It's the first time I myself have marched and wow. the staff as well. Um, so we're taking our group with us. And very, very excited about that. <laughs> I think it's great that all of you are going to go. I think that sends a really good message to the you know young folk that you're supporting and yeah. that area in general. Yeah, and we actually have a Wyndham bus going. So it's not just us, it's the rest of council. If they'd like to come along, just the staff, then we're all going together, which is um, the first time we've ever done something like this. So it's very exciting, and I'm hoping that it'll only grow from here. Look, interestingly, outside the city of Yarra, and to some extent the city of Port Phillip, it's Hobson's Bay, and now it's the city of Wyndham that seem to be really starting to do things. It's yeah, so we are following Hobson's Bay's lead. Um, they've been in this area. I think they've had a group called Proud um, for about eight years now. So we did turn to them for some advice on how to get this started. They were very helpful and it's, it's really good to kind of be working with them through this as well. And is that, I guess I'm interested in whether that initiative has come from grassroots, like from the young people themselves, or whether it's come from, you know, people like yourselves working in council, whether it's been kind of trickled down or, or kind of from yeah. grassroots up, is, or has it been both? How would you describe how that sort of social change has come about? Um, well, it has been the call for it. It's not. We do try at youth services to cater to all young people, and it's just been a big kind of um, gap in our program and service delivery for a long time now. And it wasn't until some training that we had with family planning that we realised how wide the gap was in Wyndham. So we decided to do something about it. But it did start by being a call for young people in our other groups, um, asking us why we didn't have a group of this nature. And then once we kind of jumped on board with it, the rest of council thought, because we got the okay to go ahead, that they could start implementing small changes throughout as well. That's really terrific. Where where do you see Wyndham being in like about 10 to 15 years? Because the change is dramatic Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, Werribee is a completely shifted and changed place as well now. So what, what do you see happening out there? 
Um, oh, that's a huge question. Um, I hope that, honestly, that it keeps going from here. But this change for us has only been about six months, and it's been a huge shift. So although that I'm really glad that we're heading this way, I do feel that it'll slow down a little bit. But in 10 to 15 years, I really hope that it's, everybody is all very inclusive of all all young people and all people in general and um, more kind of um, open to education about learning. Um, different types and even we've got a huge cultural and differences in Wyndham with lots of refugees settling here um, so just I'd like to see the people of the community very very open to change um, and I know that it's going that way and we are definitely leading so hopefully it continues on that path. And anecdotally, there's actually a very high uh, lesbian population in, in Wyndham, including yeah. a lot of uh, lesbian families who've decided to go out there to yeah. raise their children. Yeah, which is fantastic. And that's what we're hearing as well. But because this is so brand new to us, even the staff here are very... And we're all looking for um, education opportunities, um, training, and very much guided by our young people because, you know, they are the experts in this arena. We're just there to help them and facilitate and guide where needed. Now, listen, I think it's really important to get a little bit of an understanding from your experience to date. What are the issues that uh, these young people are coming to you about? What are the things that are challenges in their life and, and what are the things that are sort of working well for them out, out in Wyndham? Not out, you know, it's not that far away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, at the moment, I guess the main thing that we're dealing with with our young people is bullying in schools. Um, it's so prominent and it definitely leads to a lot of other, um, you know, mental health issues, depression, um, suicide, self-harm, things like that. It's very, very prominent in our little group. Um, although we, there are a lot of other things going on with these young people, the bullying that is coming from the schools is, is very, very difficult to help them through. Um, and it is leading lots, to lots of other issues. Um, we are slowly starting to see a shift in the schools where they're taking on the Safe School Initiative. Um, one of our schools down here has already done so, Werribee Secondary, and we are trying to support other schools through this, um, which, you know, is slow, but it's, it's getting there, definitely. Well, look, that's really terrific, and it's great work that's happening that you're doing out there. So I congratulate both the City of Wyndham and the City of Hobson's Bay for taking a lead. Thanks very much for talking to us, Kate. Well, thank you for having me on board, I'll, and I look forward look, to talking to you guys One last soon. question. How do people yep. find out about Q if they're, if they're listening from out there or oh, if they yes. know people out there that might want to... Well, we do have flyers, but I do recommend that they give us a call. And what we'll do is um, our reception will just take their name. It can only be first name if they'd like. Yes. Um, their phone number if they want to give it. And just an email address. And I um, am communicating with a lot of young people who I haven't met yet um, and only have their email address just to let them know what we're up to. And then they, when they feel safe enough to come along, um, we'd be happy to have them. I can even meet with them on a one-on-one -on -one basis just to let them know about the group if that's what they feel. So, so if someone rang the City of Wyndham and yep. said, I want to find out about the Q group, yep. that's the re your reception is going to know what that means. Yes, definitely. Oh, and they've got a work. spreadsheet out there that yep. they'll just take details and then I'll contact them. Oh, that's great. Okay, okay. Kate. All right. Thank you so much.
Thank you, Kate Mastriani there. Thank you. (laughs) No worries. Is the Youth Development Officer in Hoppers uh, Crossing for Wyndham City Council. And uh, as you just heard, if you're interested in that Q group, I give her a call. And uh, I'm just so excited about what they're doing. I just think this is an amazing um, wave of social change we're seeing here. And in just a moment, we're going to be doing our regular mid-summer wrap-up. And thank God it all comes to an end this weekend. I'm, I don't know, I don't think I've slept for three weeks or something. And I've never yet made it to the Pride March because by the time it gets to that day, I'm like, oh, I I can't cope. I'm hoping to make it this year. Okay. Take care out there. Take care out there. Individual health and well-being through stronger community endeavours. Five minutes-ish to run through the midsummer wrap-up. Crusader, why don't you kick it off? It's going to be hard, but we'll get there. Um, look, I think before we say anything, if you want to get into some of the visual art stuff, it's going to be running on probably for till the end of the week at least. Right. Some of it will be going beyond that. So, But check out the Midsummer website, midsummer.org.au, if you want to find out more about the visual arts. Our first show that we're talking about, though, is... Is a visual arts one. It's Pink Narcissist. It celebrates oh, like 20 years of Richard Morrison's work. Uh, Richard Morrison, I think, has been in every Art of Difference Deaf and Disability Festival. Right. Uh, and he is an incredible painter. And in, in fact, he's done a couple of portraits of me and Roland and now... Early no wonder you like him. Yeah, no, well, you know. <laughs> Narcissism, I love it. But they it. were bought by other people before we had a chance to buy them ourselves. Oh, of course. But he's been a collaborator and he's always been involved in the Midsummer Festival. Okay, so look, we've we've worked clipping to death, so we won't go there again, except to come. And um, where else are we up to? Britney Spears, the cabaret, which is at Chapel off Chapel. I saw this a few years ago. It's starring uh, Christy Whelan, who is the most brilliant, sometimes ditzy Britney, and but also it's deep and meaningful and moving, and all which at is the more same than time. Britney is, and that's it sounds fabulous. But it's hysterical, and the singing is superb. So, like, if you haven't seen. Britney over the years. You've got to get down there and see Britney. Will that be on for a few more nights? Oh, yes. That's on till Thursday. So do get to see that. I might even get to see that if, if I can tear myself away from the bookshop. I doubt it. Yeah. Love in a Cubicle <laughs> by Stephen Dawson. Um, we had Stephen on the show right. a week or two ago and he's been a bit of a sort of like a stalwart and legend in the gay theatre world. We have a thing called Pageant the Musical, which is award-winning theatre company. Oh, yeah. Shush Productions have got that on. And the Laugh Out Loud Big Gay Comedy Night. That's become a bit of an institution. Yes, everyone raves about this one. I wouldn't miss it, except I have to. And then coming up later in the week, we've got the celebration of homosexual liberation. And it's on uh, both at Acme and then Victoria University. There's a conference for two days. It's a celebration of 40 years of Dennis Altman's book, Homosexual Oppression and Liberation. I got it right out of my little headspace somewhere. Huh. Yeah. 40 years. So it was published. Can anyone do the math? 1969. Well but, done. You know, but it might even been, you know, obviously wow. 72. And I, get, I guess for the time, it would have been a really pioneering sort of study. Absolutely. It was based on his experiences being in New York at the time around Stonewall and being part of the sort of gay liberation front and everything else. Poor old Dennis. I met him not long ago at the bookshop and I went up to him going, you're my God, you're just totally my hero. I read your work and cried and he's like, oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But Dennis Altman is on tomorrow night with Christos Cholkas, Sophie Cunningham, Kim Westwood and Neil Drennan with a special uh, little 
little performance at by Moira Finnegan. Oh, wow. Just to Hot. round things off. In an event about Melbourne called Queer 3000. But there's, look, there's a huge number of things on. There's Bi and Polly stuff happening in a couple of different things. Mm. Just get um, get on to midsummer.org.au and check it out before out they there. all sell out. And it's only days to go. Minutes to go for us. We'll be back again next week, of course. Thanks to our lovely panel operator here, Gaz the Gazman, with us again. We'll see you next week. Do uh, keep an eye out for us at Pride. We're going to be out there if I stay awake. And, uh, <laughs> and have a great week. Also presents Take Care On Air. Interviews, current affairs and events from across Victoria. Also is your community hub and also is proud to sponsor Joy. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.